0: Hello, and welcome to Black Marriage Therapy, BMT for short. Here we become students of marriage in order to create healthy, long lasting relationships. I'm your host, Kristen Smith, and in today's episode, we discuss money and marriage. Arguing about money early in a relationship has been found to be the number one predictor of whether a couple gets divorced. Wow. What is it about money that makes its effects so potent to a relationship? What I have found in my research and experience is that although a lack of money can be an issue by itself, Most often, it is the stress and tension that comes from money issues that can strongly affect a couple. This episode really gave me an opportunity to ask myself the hard questions about money. Questions like, what does money mean to me? What was I taught about money? How does money affect our relationship? After answering these questions and doing my own research on money and marriage, I would love to share with you what I've learned about myself and what experts have to say on this topic. Although money can be the source of marital issues, when addressed correctly, money can offer financial and relational benefits. In this episode, we discuss your personal relationship with money, how money affects your relationship with your partner, tips and advice on how to address money in the relationship, and as a bonus, I would like to address prenuptial agreements and other financial structures and relationships, which will be mostly opinion-based and not research-based. If you have been enjoying the content, please follow us on Instagram at Black Marriage Therapy. Rate us on your podcast platform and share your favorite episode with a friend. If you would like to continue the conversation, please join our Facebook group at Black Marriage Therapy. There, we share and discuss marriage topics to support and encourage one another on our relationship journey. So before you address your issues with money in your relationship, you first have to start with yourself. PBS reports that children can understand basic concepts about money as early as three years and by seven their values around money are already set our early experiences with money such as witnessing arguments about it or being defined by it can trigger a range of emotions such as anxiety resentment or feelings of entitlement that we carry through life those experiences and emotions shape our values and relationship with money That excerpt came from Forbes.com, which helps to explain how our relationship with money first began. I thought this was super powerful because I didn't realize how young children start noticing money. But when I think of myself, I immediately was like, oh yeah, that's about right. Because it was kind of in elementary school when I started to notice money and what it means. So a little bit of background, warning, I'm about to be vulnerable. Okay. So (laughs) just be kind. So I came from humble beginnings. Both of my parents are immigrants. So I'm a first generation American. And for the most of my childhood, I did not always get what I want, but I always felt like I had what I needed. And most of the time that was clean clothes, shelter, food, things like that. Now, but when it comes to things that I wanted, I explicitly remember as a child missing out on specific things. For example, field trips, certain dances, certain activities um, that my parents could not afford. So we just had to go without it. But I think that was my earliest memory of money and how money equals what you want. And if you don't have enough money, you don't get what you want. So that's when our my parents were together. And to be honest, I don't feel like not getting what I want, you know, affected me too negatively because at the end of the day, I think that as a child, for the majority of the time I was secure. I had family and Um, you know, friends and relationships and food and things like that. So it didn't feel like threatening that I didn't get what I want. But I I think it does have an impact now on how I parent and how I want to give my children what they want per se. When my parents got a divorce Well, no, actually, this is before they got a divorce. (laughs) When they separated, this is when I started to realize that money also provides you what you need. When my parents got a divorce, I think that's when things started to get really, really rough or lower than humble beginnings. Some would say po, okay, or, you know, poor. I remember seeing my mom work so much that for three days at a time I didn't see her because she was working um like an 11 to 7 a 7 to 3 a 3 to 11 like back to back to back for three days that I remember not seeing her and she would call me and I was a latchkey kid I guess so you know you just come home you let yourself in or my older siblings will let me in you know whatever want to make a podcast video podcasts are also available on spotify with spotify for podcasters you can earn money in a variety of ways including ads and podcast subscriptions and best of all it's totally free with no catch that free part is one reason that i love it but i also like the interface the analytics and that it's super easy to work with i highly recommend you guys give it a try Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. And that's when I remember us not having enough food and not having some of the basic necessities, you know, and God bless my mom. She's a proud woman. So she also turned down help a lot of the time because of the shame that came with needing help. So she did not apply for food stamps. She did not, you know, really take handouts. She didn't really do food bank, things like that. So, I mean, there were some points I do remember being hungry. There were points in my life where I remember gathering change with my brothers and going to get the 49 cent, 59 cent hamburgers. At McDonald's, my brother would walk all the way over there and walk back and that would be our lunch slash dinner, you know, and basically eating at school and not eating at home. I'm realizing now, I'm just going to pause and take a moment to be present as I'm recording. I'm realizing now that as I am talking about this, that it does evoke some emotions in me because it was a hard time. It was a hard time for our family and- Although we're not defined by that time, it's, it's hard to reconcile that that was a reality. There were some other things that were really rough about that time, but I won't go into too much detail. The point is, I remember when money meant not having what you want. And I remember a time when money meant not having what you need. I feel like it affected my personal relationship with money because it gave me a mindset of lack, which is I will never have enough. I always have to continue to get more and more and more because what I have is never enough. Um, I feel like I've grown out of that very recently and understanding that coming from a mindset of lack will always have you exhausted. You're always trying to get more and what you have is never enough. And now moving to a mindset of abundance where I have all that I need and everything else that I get is extra helps me to look at my current circumstances and appreciate what I have, steward what I have, and not live in fear where all I have to do is work, 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 work to make sure that I'm okay. It also made me see money as security, which I think it is, but if you add money as security and having a mindset of lack, then you will always think that amassing more money will make you feel more secure, which is not always true, especially if you're insecure in other areas. So although money is security to an extent, It can't be the foundation of your security because then that's when things can go haywire because what happens when you don't have money? I also realized for me when asking myself these questions about money and how it was shown to me in my experience with money, I realized that money to me means comfort. It also means reward. I wasn't able to go to the field trips and do all the nice things that some of the kids were going to do and the prom and all that stuff. I went to the prom, but it was the community that came together to pay for the prom. (laughs) But, you know, I realized that now in my adult life, I use money to bring me comfort, to bring me reward. Again, these are not bad things, but... If you are using money as a placeholder for something else, if you're using money as a way to shortcut healing and shortcut security and shortcut these things, that's when it becomes a problem. And in our next section, we're going to talk about how it affects a relationship. But if you have that negative relationship with money, if you are in a state of anxiety and insecurity and low self-esteem, and that is where you're coming from with money and you bring that into a relationship, what it does All money does is reveal and multiply what is already there. So I just want to start with that foundation in regards to your personal relationship with money. If it's good, it will reveal and multiply more good. But if it's negative, it will reveal and multiply more negative, especially in a relationship. So if you are curious and you want to know more about your personal relationship with money, you can ask yourself a few questions. This is coming from Forbes.com, which will be available in the show, show notes, but there are many, many other articles and books that can help you to really Uh, evaluate for yourself your personal relationship with money so some of the questions are where do my money values come from does money make me feel confident or insecure do I have a history of making good financial decisions and if not why am I hesitant to take action when there are issues regarding money am I impulsive with money or do I have the discipline to say no do my children have good values with money, especially if they will inherit it from me? So those are just a few questions to get you started on better understanding your personal relationship with money. So let's move on to how money affects your relationship. According to research done on reasons for divorce in the financial section, it states financial issues lend themselves to more frequent or intense arguments because money is usually not a subject that couples are that upfront, honest, or proactive about discussing. This can lead to blow-ups down the road. Now that we've talked about your personal relationship with money, I hope you better understand how how that relationship can affect your relationship with your partner. It really can trigger emotions that you may be unaware of. As I mentioned before, it will only reveal and multiply what's already there. So if you are in a relationship and you have a control issue, it is very easy for you to use money as a weapon, as a tool to control your relationship. Also, it can be used as a way for you to feel high self-esteem or a way for you to feel secure as a foundation of security. Um, Dave Ramsey, who you either love or hate, which most people (laughs) either love him or hate him, he talked about specifically, and I thought this was interesting, how men often relate money, the money that they make to their self-esteem, and how women often relate money to security. Therefore, when there is a money issue, men typically feel their lowest in esteem. And women tend to be in the most fear. Now, this is not a gender thing, but I think it's important to understand that if you are having money issues, it makes sense that from fear and low self-esteem, how it can exacerbate the problem. So another thing that may affect the relationship is financial infidelity, which this is a whole new concept to me, Um, but it's basically cheating with your money, (laughs) which I know sounds weird, but it's spending in secret. Right. And it's usually large purchases. So it's not like, oh, I'm gonna go to Target and get me a new pillow for 15 bucks. It's like, oh, I'm going to get a whole new credit card that my partner does not know about. And I'm going to use it to buy expensive jewelry or clothes or, you know, I'm going to go and get out and get out a new car. I mean, I don't know how secret that could be (laughs) because it's a new car, but still it's really spending in secret. Another issue that may come up when it comes to how money affects your relationship is different lifestyles, different income, different cultures, different religions and personalities, so if you are more into the lavish lifestyle, nice trips and you are married to a person who is like really don't mind with having a very humble life, then that may cause some issue, culture. Like I mentioned before earlier, my husband and I both came from immigrant parents. My husband's Jamaican, I'm Haitian. It's very very similar the way they see money, how they work for money, what money means. Um, So we kind of had the same background in that aspect, but if you're coming from a different aspect or maybe you're more Western or you're coming from more Eastern or Caribbean or African, whatever these different cultures is, those can... Make fundamental differences in how you view money. Another big one, religion. Do we tie? Do we not tie? Like, do we give to chari- charities? Do we not give to charities? Okay. And of course, personalities, as I mentioned before, my husband's spontaneous. I'm more of a planner. So that affects how you want to use money. Money is ultimately a tool, but we make money more than what it's supposed to be. And that is when trouble happens. Another way money can affect relationship is providing for children or extended families. I got an opportunity, like I mentioned before, to talk to myself about money, but also talk to my husband. And I asked him like, what in your childhood that you missed out that you want our children to have? And if you get that out of check, where you're trying to make up for your childhood through your children, that could be a big problem. But both of us said that we want our children to have all the school experiences and to have more experiences that we had that we didn't have because we didn't have money. So do the field trips and sweet 16s and proms and grad bash and things like that. Um, But another cause of strife is extended families. Mentioning again immigrant families, we both have an understanding, thankfully, that because we're coming from an immigrant family background, our parents do not have much. They're not really set up wealth wise financially to when it comes to certain things. So part of the burden of being an immigrant child, and when I say burden, I'm using it just because I don't have any other word, but You know, it can also be a joy as well, especially if you have it, it can be a joy to provide for your family members, but that is a part of it. You have to reach your hand backwards and help your parents or your cousins or whoever, because they may not have it. Another big thing, and this is the last one, is debt. Debt is so huge because if you're coming into a relationship with a huge amount of debt, that means that our income, the money we're making together, a chunk of that is going to creditors or, you know, school loans or whatever other debt that you may have, which can be a huge source of strife and also resentment. So these are just a few different things that maybe if I list something here that you heard that you may want to take an account into your relationship and have a conversation about in regards to how these things may affect our relationship. So what effect has money had in our relationship? Let me be very honest with you guys. Although we have had money issues in our relationship, we have not had issues with money. So I know that sounds real deep, but basically what I'm saying is that my husband and I have been broke as a joke. And we've also have had money and back to being broke and then having money. So we've had money issues before, but in our relationship, it has never been a major issue. And I was really thinking about it because I was like, I'm not going to be up here front. And that's the first thing. I'm only going to be authentic and genuine. I'm not going to have a problem that I didn't have. <laughs> right. So I don't want to waste y'all time. But I was really thinking about why that is. I realized that there's a few reasons why I don't think money has been a big issue for our relationship. I realized some reasons why we don't have certain money issues is because we didn't have anything right when we were married. We got married at 18. We both came in with zero dollars. We literally had no jobs. We got married based off a, a refund check from college. Um that's a story for another day, y'all. It's crazy. But we both started with any nothing, so everything that we had was ours. It was something that we built together. Um, and then when it comes to lifestyle, income, culture, religion, personalities, we were already in line in the same vein. We have natural personality differences, like Junior's more spontaneous. I'm more of a planner. I have a more entrepreneurial heart. Junior is definitely content with being an employee, not that that's a bad thing. We definitely have differences, but overall, we we came from the same vein. And I think that has helped us on the onset of our relationship and starting so young, it helped us to, to see money outside of ourselves as individuals, which means that here's money, here's this thing that we have to tackle, here's the issue or a problem or a goal that we're trying to reach. How do we take care of that instead of seeing it as you have this money issue and I have this money issue and kind of attacking each other. So let's move on to how do we address money? issues. Money doesn't always have to come with issues. Like I know we talk about money issues in relationship because it's a big problem, but when done correctly, it doesn't have to come with so many issues. However, it's still something that needs to be addressed. So how do we address it with our relationships? Now, if you are pre-marriage, right? Okay. You're pre-marital y'all, you guys have such a a unique opportunity to tackle this, oh man, man. Okay, I'm getting too hype. If you are premarital, you have a unique opportunity to create such a strong foundation around money that will benefit you guys in the long run. Now, if you are already married and you're having issues with your money, you can still use these tips and advice to help you work your way out of it. But I just want to shout out the premarital couples encourage you and push you to really dive into money. First and foremost, the first tip is you have to explore your own personal relationship with money. You have to ask yourself questions about your values, your fears, your insecurities, your self-esteem. Is there something money is fulfilling for you, right? Or maybe you are just you have a lack of relationship with money. So you don't even look at it, you don't pay attention to it. It's something that is it's there, you know, but that is a problem as well. You have to be actively involved in money or it will control you. If you're not looking at it, it's just going wherever it wants to go. So that's the first thing. Once you have that conversation with yourself and you're able to really understand your personal relationship with money, The next thing I would say, especially if you're already married, is you need to start communicating. This can be very scary because um, money is a very vulnerable spot. It can bring up certain emotions that maybe you didn't even know are there And also money can easily be a source of shame for some people. And this is why I think some individuals in relationships don't talk about it because it's a source of shame. It's it's that place where it's like, don't touch it. I don't want you to see. If you see it, you might think less of me. You might think that I'm a terrible human being, right? So communication is 100% key. Like I did for this episode, I asked my husband, what does money mean to you? How were you exposed to money? Like, what did you learn about money as a child? Expressing how having money or having a lack of money makes you feel. This conversation may have to be taken in bite sizes. So just just start with baby steps and then go into more deeper things like, you know, spending and saving and being spontaneous and things like that, because I think it can be a lot to take on at once. So just just one bite at a time. That's how we eat an elephant. The second tip that I have is, once you've kinda had those conversations, I think it's very important as a couple to have a financial vision. It is so imperative that we get on the same page when it comes to money. It does not mean that you guys aren't going to be different in personalities or things like that, or even have different values. All those things make you who you are and that's okay. When you come in a relationship, you can take those values and those differences and discuss them and make them part of your vision, right? I think sometimes people feel like when you're dealing with money and some of the fear is in that you'll have to give up something. Like you always have to give up something and temporarily you may have to give up something. You may have to be uncomfortable at some times and not have everything that you want, but as a couple, you want to come together as partners and decide overall What is the financial vision that we want to have? And if for you, that means I want to be able to retire my parents or for the other couple is like, I want to have a robust investor, you know, portfolio. That's fine to have, but work on it together. That's what the opportunity of a financial vision gives you. So for example, my husband and I on our financial vision, we have, we want to make our parents' life comfortable, right? We also have, we would like to make a certain amount of money. We would like to have a certain amount of properties. We would like our children to have certain type of experiences, right? This helps you guys to align and focus on one thing. It helps you guys to come together rather than looking against each other. You're focusing yourselves and your energy on getting this vision to come to fruition. Once you make that vision, right? And it it could be a long-term vision. So let's say it's 10 years, one bite at a time. You guys can take that vision, knock it down to very small goals, maybe just for the year and start working towards it, divide and conquer, right? If you have worked on your relationship with money, if you had a conversation and communicated your fears, insecurities, self-esteem, everything that comes with money, if you've done that and you've made a vision you guys are unstoppable. You are unstoppable. I'm like, I'm, okay, I'm getting giddy. Let me move on. <laughs> so uh, take those things, make it down to bite-sized goals. And then from there, divide and conquer. Decide what you guys are going to do. Use your strengths to benefit one another. For example, my husband is spontaneous. Although that can seem like a very annoying When it comes to money, it is very, very important. Why? Because part of money is having fun. Part of money is enjoying the fruits of your labor. So, my husband is always a reminder for us to enjoy the fruits of our labor. My strength is planning. I love the numbers. I love to write down the budget and to do this and do that and all those things. I love that stuff, right? But it keeps us on track. So, that's our strengths. So, Use your strengths to divide and conquer, and get those goals done. Hold each other accountable. Be responsible. Have a budget. There are many, many, many different ways to structure your finances. There's Dave Ramsey. There's The Budgetista. There's Thinking Grow Rich. There's so many books and so many ways that many couples and individuals structure their money, and. Although I think the way you structure your money is important in a relationship, that is not as important as you two communicating and agreeing to work towards an established goal and work towards the vision that you guys have for yourselves financially. So to wrap this up, speaking of structures and money... I wanted to touch on prenuptial agreements and things like that, because I feel like, especially for those who are premarital, this is something that comes up a lot. Like, what do you think about prenups? And what do you think about this money and that money and all that stuff? And how do you feel about joint accounts or separate accounts, splitting the bills, things like that. So this is just bonus material, y'all. This is my opinion. Okay. If you don't like it. That's okay. I have no problem with that. So this is my personal philosophy on prenups. I feel like if you built it alone, you're allowed to keep it separate. A lot of people may disagree with that, but I just, that's how I, that's how I feel. I feel like if you built it together, then you both invested some sort of thing in that um, whatever that thing is, if it's business or even a savings account, you, whether it's sweat equity or, you know, you had a nine to five, whatever that thing was, I feel like if you built it together, then you both have a right to it. If you built it separately, a prenup may be wisdom, right? So to each their own, that's my own personal philosophy on it. But again, it's a conversation that you have to have with your partner, So when it comes to kind of like financial structure in marriage, especially if you're coming in and you guys both have full-time jobs, you're like, do we need a joint account? Do we need separate accounts? And yada, yada, yada. I've heard it said this way, many other ways. And I actually recently had somebody at my church who um, is also good with finances. And this is how he structured his his finances um, that I thought was great. My husband and I do not structure our finances this way. Um, To be honest, it's just because it's always been easier for us to just have one joint account, but I am going to take into consideration some of the other things that he mentioned that I thought would be beneficial. First and foremost, have a joint account. That joint account is where all the finances go into. Like this is our joint account. Every check that we go into goes into this account. Also, this is where all the major bills come out of, um, the mortgage, car insurance, car notes, you know, debt payments, whatever, all that is coming out of that joint account from there. After you have a conversation with your your spouse, have a certain amount that you both agreed upon as your own personal spending accounts. Um, and this is something that Jiri and I are practicing now, but just only in our budget for us to have our own spending money. It makes us have autonomy in our relationship. So although we're together, we still are individuals. We still like different things and it helps us to not judge one another. So if I want to do my nails, get my hair done and get some spa- Starbucks, although Jiri and I like it, it gives me autonomy over my money. And if Jiren wants to buy video games and something new for the car or something like that, then he can do that because that's his money. So I definitely like the idea of having a joint account and then having two separate accounts, which has an allotted amount uh, for each individual. So this guy that I was talking to, and hopefully maybe I can interview him on the podcast or maybe for our Facebook group. Um, The guy that I was talking to, He actually went through bankruptcy and he said those separate accounts saved them when it was at its worst because they had separate accounts when the banks came to sue him for his money and freeze his accounts. His wife's account that was just in her name alone, that was not connected to him was all the money that they had. And I think it was just a few thousand bucks. So it was very beneficial for him in that scenario to have separate accounts. So not only to have your own spending money, but God forbid that something happens financially. Um, you guys have access to money because it's in a different place. So in regards to money outside of that money structures and prenuptial agreements, I'm out of my depth <laughs> and I'm not going to sit here, and pretend like I know about investment accounts and all this stuff. I know people who know about this stuff. So if this is something that we can discuss further, we can always do that in our Facebook group. We can talk more about finance. I have a couple of people actually that I know that would be great to speak about this and for us to learn more together about money and marriage. To end this episode, I would like to end with a quote. Two quotes, actually. The first is, the richest man in the world is not the one who still has the first dollar he ever earned. It's the man who still has his best friend, Martha Mason. It is better in times of need to have a friend rather than money. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of Black Marriage Therapy. If you haven't yet, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Black Marriage Therapy and join our Facebook group where we discuss further different topics that we've explored on the podcast. Thanks again for listening and talk to you soon.